0: Rudy and Donovan are heading to the All-Star break. The buyout market is currently looking sparse, and we'll go ahead and look on into what the Jazz could possibly look like as we head into the end of this season, into the off season, which includes trades, drafts, and free agency, and kind of project what this Jazz team is going to look like going forward. So, welcome on into the Jazz Talk Podcast, part of the Wasatch Podcasting Network. I am your host, CJ Dieters. And this weekend it is currently February 15th. This weekend is the All Star game. And for the next week or so, the NBA will be taking a break from playing games. Um, this is always just a really nice break for the players to kind of rehab any injuries. You know, take their family on vacation, be with their families, um, and, you know, allow the the coaches and everybody that's been, you know, getting, you know, five hours of sleep a night and constantly worried about the next opponent and all this kind of stuff, just a little bit of time for their mind to rest and move on into what is, you know, the last 25-ish games of the season and into the playoffs. Um, And it also gives front offices time to, you know, look at what exactly they have planned going forward for the next year Um, and going forward, guys that they'd like to bring back onto the team, maybe guys that they're willing to let go of this summer, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, um, the Jazz don't have any participants in, Um, This happened last night, but the uh, Rising Stars game, the Jazz don't really have any first- or second-year players that are getting normal playing time. They don't have anybody in the dunk contest or three-point contest or the skills challenge. Now I think it would be really fun to see Joe Ingles in the three-point and the skills challenge, but he has said before that he really doesn't want to go to All-Star Weekend because it's a time for him to be with his family and, and be away from basketball for a little bit. But the Jazz do have two guys and Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell that are heading to the All-Star game this year. Um, it's the first time the Jazz have had an All-Star since Gordon Hayward. And it's the first time that they've had two All-Stars since 2008, I believe, which was Carlos Boozer and Mehmet Okur. Um, so it's, it's a big thing for the Jazz. They're, they're getting the uh, recognition that they deserve. Um. Rudy is finally becoming an all-star. I think he definitely should have made it last year, and he probably should have made it the season before that. But he is finally getting the recognition he needs or he deserves. And Donovan Mitchell, as a third-year player, is climbing up the ranks as one of the top players in the NBA, and that's really cool to see. Um, You know, this season he's really upped his efficiency a ton, Um, is more focused on actually getting all the way to the basket or getting fouled or putting up threes. Um, he's starting to rely less on the mid-range in the floater game. He still shoots a lot of them. I wish he would turn a couple of those shots into shots at the rim and further increase his efficiency, but on the whole, um, he's really becoming you know, a superstar level player. He's becoming a very efficient offensive player. He's a good defensive player. And then um, Rudy is, you know, hes a, he's been the best defensive player in the NBA for, I think, the last four seasons, the year that Draymond Green won it. Um, Rudy should have won it that year, too. Uh, won the defensive player of the year, my bad. Um, and it looks like he's going to win it again this year as well. Um, you know, he he's already by far the best um, post-defender in the NBA, and he's become very good at defending on the perimeter, moving his feet, staying with those guys. Um, A couple years ago, he would get embarrassed by guys like Steph Curry um, and Damian Lillard on a very regular basis. It still happens every now and then. I mean, there's really not much you can do if you're Seven foot one and super skinny and long and gangly, like he is. Um, but he's really put in a lot of work to become better balanced, um, really strengthen up his core, um, strengthen up his whole body. I mean, you can see a huge difference in what he's done to his body since he got to the Jazz. Has really put on a lot of muscle and figured out how to be as large as he is and be coordinated which is just a huge accomplishment so again big thing for the jazz two all-stars this year and you know hopefully they can keep moving forward next this next year Mike Conley can start to get back to where he was I mean before this all-star break he was starting to really look like that sub all-star level player that he was before um yeah so that's really exciting for the Jazz um now one of the things that I've been talking about on past episodes that I wanted to talk about real quickly is the buyout market um the two guys that I wanted the Jazz to really go after Marvin Williams and Michael Kitt Gilchrist um ended up signing with other teams Marvin Williams is heading to the Bucks Michael Kitt Gilchrist is heading to the Mavericks um Marvin Williams would have provided the Jazz with some more three-point shooting, a guy that can play the center in some lineups, can play the four or the three, is a really good perimeter defender, is a decent uh, at-the-basket defender, um, and he has experience playing in Utah. He was here, I think, for just the one season, but it was the year that the Jazz had uh, brought in Richard Jefferson from the Warriors along with uh, Andres Biedrins and... Uh, uh, Brandon Rush at the time to uh, help the Warriors clear enough salary to bring in Andre Iguodala. <clears throat> um, but I again, I would have really liked to see him in Utah, but it totally makes sense that he signed with the Bucks. They are by far the best team in the East, probably the best team in the NBA right now. He can actually get playing time with them because um, he's, in my opinion, a much better player than... Ersan Ilyasova, who was getting a lot of playing time with them, and he can immediately step in and take over that role for Ilyasova there. Um, So that one makes a lot of sense. And then Michael Gilchrist ended up signing with the Dallas Mavericks. Kid Gilchrist really, I mean, he's worked on his shot a lot over his career, and he's gotten to the point where he can hit it at like a 30% rate from from the three-point line, which is not great, but it's not also not just terrible like he was at the beginning of his career. Um, but the big thing with him is he is so strong and athletic and such a good defender that you can play him as a as a small ball center um against certain lineups and I think against like a team like the Rockets he'd be just amazingly valuable. Um I think with the Mavericks they're gonna use him a lot the way that they used uh, Alfru Kaminu a few years ago where on offense he's the role man he's basically the center on offense and then on defense you put him on the other team's best perimeter player and that allows you to play on the offensive end you're, that allows you to play some more um, just three-point shooters that aren't the greatest defenders and then on the defensive side you know he Kid Gilchrist can help take care of that and he um, has a positive team when the bench players are in. Again, those are the two guys I really would have liked to see the Jazz get. <clears throat> now, there are some other guys that could possibly be available or are already available that the Jazz could look at. Um, guys like Tyler Johnson. Um, Wayne Ellington looks like he's going to be bought out. Um, Evan Turner. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, honestly... Unless a, a player that the Jazz look at and go, okay, he's going to get 20 minutes a night with us. He's going to be a big part of us pushing for a championship um, and trying to get move further through the playoffs. And it just really doesn't look like there's going to be that guy available. Um, now, if a guy like Bobby Portis got bought out, then I could see the Jazz really making a move there. But honestly, if I'm... Justin Zanuck or Dennis Lindsey, who are the GM and uh, Vice President of Basketball Operations for the Jazz, I would, I would seriously just consider staying with the team that you've got. I mean, you've got a really good starting five with Conley, Mitchell, Ingles, Bogdanovich, and Gobert. You've got a couple guys that are really good off the bench in Royce O'Neill and um, Jordan Clarkson. And then you have some depth pieces around them in George Niang, Tony Bradley, um, Emmanuel Moutier, and Ed Davis. Um, And, you know, the one thing that the Jazz have really done this season that I'm actually a pretty big fan of is they signed a lot of these guys to these three-year deals where basically each year is a team option to where if they don't work out, you can immediately cut bait and... You're not on the hook for a lot of money with them. But if they develop into really good players, then you've got really good player for super cheap for the next three seasons. Um, you have guys like Jawan Morgan, John Tucker, Nigel Williams-Goss, and Mie Oni, and I, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. But anyway, you have those guys. And then you have two uh, two-way players that I think the Jazz would like to do something like what the Philadelphia 76ers did with, um, oh, what's his name, Shake Milton this last offseason where they he was on a two-way and then in the summer they signed him to a four-year deal at about the minimum. And so you're getting five years of team control on a guy at a very low rate. Where you can really take your time developing them, and so Jarrell Brantley and and Justin wright Foreman are the two-way players, and both of those guys I think have the opportunity to be rotation players next year for the Jazz. Um, <clears throat> so if I am Justin Zanek and Dennis Lindsey, I I may just stay with this team, and you know just hope for the best, hope that they can figure out what's going on and be successful in the playoffs. Um, We've seen this team have some really big highs, but we've also seen them have some really low lows. Um, You know, they went on that, I think it was a 14-game winning streak. They won 18 of 20 games, and then they immediately followed it up with a five-game losing streak, and then currently they're on a four-game winning streak heading into these this All-Star break. Um, and really, I think the biggest reason for this is that the defense is no longer elite. They're a good defense. They're eighth in, in the league right now on defense, but they're no longer a top-three defense to the point where you know how many points the, the other team is going to score on you. You just got to beat that number. I mean last year, you know, the Jazz were going to hold teams under about 105 points every single night. Every now and then they'd give up a big game, but you know, you could count on like 90% of games we're going to hold teams under 105 points. So if we can find a way to produce 106 points, we win all of our games. This season it's a lot different. That that defense is just it's not as it's not as good. Um You know, losing Jay Crowder and Derek Favors, I mean, yeah, it's going to get worse, but the offense is so much better than it was last year. And so the big thing for the Jazz heading into this time after the All-Star break is figuring out um, how do we get this defense to be consistent enough that our amazing offense can carry us and win games. You don't need to be the number one offense in the league anymore or the number one defense in the league anymore, but if the Jazz can hold teams, like I said, to around 105 points or less, they have enough offense to beat just about any team in a seven-game uh, series. Like, if you can hold the Bucks to about around 100 points, I think the Jazz could beat them in a series. Same with the Lakers, the Clippers, all these other teams. And so, for... Uh, Quinn Snyder, Alex Jensen, and all the rest of the assistant coaches, that's going to be the big thing heading into this post-All-Star break period and heading into the playoffs is how do we get this defense to a point that, you know, we're not getting killed by teams and we have to score 125 points to win games. I think the offense can score 125 points in a lot of games, But we, you know, the the team shouldn't need to do that um, to be winning. So that that is really what I'm looking forward to for the Jazz. And it it starts on the perimeter. If the perimeter guys can slow down the the offensive players enough to where Rudy can get into position, I mean, the defense is amazing. But over that five-game losing streak, we saw the defense a lot of times just give up free runs to the basket and Rudy's got to try and and contest that shot while trying to stay on his guy and it just doesn't work out, but if you give Rudy enough time to get into position, use his little jab step that he uses to make them commit either way and then contest the shot, the defense will be a lot more su- successful, which if you haven't seen, or maybe you're not paying as close of attention as, as I do to what Rudy does, Rudy will do um, this little jab step at the ball handler, but he's not putting his weight into that front foot, it's all, all of his weight is on his back leg to where, you know, if he can get that um, guy with the ball to think that Rudy is coming at him, he'll pass the ball off Well, Rudy's weight is back towards the guy that he's passing that ball off to. So all of a sudden, he just turns, blocks that shot or contests it, and the Jazz are off to the races, um, heading back for a layup on the other side. <laughs> now, like I said, if, if the uh, offensive player is getting way too much speed coming towards the basket, there's really not much Rudy can do. He has to either decide, all right, I'm going to commit at this guy with the ball, and hopefully I can deflect the ball away or block his shot, or I've got to stay home and I might just be giving this ball handler a wide open layup. Um, so, that, again, that's what I've been looking for for the Jazz to work on coming out of this All Star break and for Quinn and his staff to really look at in the film as to how he can differently position his guys to make them more effective on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and so, finally, we'll uh, go ahead and look into next season for the Jazz. I know this is a little premature and whatnot, but I, I, I feel like it's it's a good exercise to at least look forward to it and, you know, try and get inside the mind of these front office guys as to because, you know, guys like Dennis Lindsey and Justin Zanuck, like, yes, they look at the day-to-day, but you know that they're looking a year in advance, three years in advance, five years in advance. They have tons of spreadsheets going as to you know who's going to be available in free agency um, all the different drafts, who could possibly be available for trade all these different scenarios and so I just wanted to really quickly look at to look into what the jazz could be looking to do um, heading into this free agency period so a couple things to keep in mind um, <clears throat> Mike Conley, has a $34.5 million contract for next season but he has an early termination option on there which means that he could decide to void the contract and sign a new one whether it be with the Jazz or with a different team Um, Jordan Clarkson is going to be a free agency but the Jazz have his bird rights which means that the Jazz can go over the salary cap to bring him back in um, so the salary cap is projected to be around 115 million, and I think if Conley picks up his option, the Jazz will be at 100 and oh, what is it, 108? I believe. I'll have to check those numbers. Um, so that would leave, under normal circumstances, if you don't have um, Bird rights. That would leave $7 million, basically, to spring somebody on. Well, Jordan Clarkson's worth more than $7 million. I mean, he's an amazing six-man off the bench, lights a spark for the team, and is starting to pick up the defense a little bit more. I mean, I mean he's never going to be elite defensively, but if he can at least be serviceable on that end, then he's a very um, valuable guy. However... Not that many teams have salary cap space, so I think the Jazz can get a little bit of a deal. I mean, in a year where there's a lot of cap space available, I see, I could definitely see a team giving Jordan somewhere in that $15 to $17 million range per year. Um, right now, he his contract that he's currently on is $13.5 million per year, and if I'm the Jazz, if I could get him at that number or any lower than that, I'm definitely bringing him back because... You know, if he works out, then that's a great contract. Or if, you know, you draft somebody else that fits that six-man role better, then Jordan Clarkson becomes a very valuable trade chip going forward. Um, The other free agent um, this offseason is Emmanuel Moutier. Now, the Jazz do not have bird rights on him because they signed him to a one-year deal this year. And so they would have to bring him back with salary cap space. And I think... Mudiay has shown enough growth this year with the Jazz that there will be a team out there willing to give him in that probably the 8 to 10 million dollar range per year. And so I would count on Emmanuel Mudiay being back for this next season. Now, another thing that I talked about earlier is the the fact that the Jazz have all these guys on these 3-year contracts that really are basically a year-by-year year contract where year one ends, you decide if you want to pick up year two, same with year three going on forward from there. Um, so if the Jazz really wanted to, they could decide that none of those guys are going to work out, and all of a sudden they have four, four more roster spots open. Now, if I am Justin Zanuck and Dennis Lindsay, what I am looking to do is... So this year's draft, and I'll get into the draft in further episodes, especially on the the main NBA channel. This year's draft is really not a strong draft, Um, especially star-wise. I think there's going to be teams trading. Whoever gets the number one pick this year I think is going to trade out of it because you might end up taking a guy that ends up just being a total bust because there's no clear number one in this year's class. Um, but once you get down to where the jazz are going to be picking, which will be somewhere around, you know, 22 to 27, somewhere in that range, you're really, um, kind of bare bones, you know, they're, I mean, in every draft, there's always guys that nobody saw coming that ends up being a star, but you know, on, for the most part. I wouldn't be too excited about drafting late in the draft in this year's um, this year's draft. Um, so if I'm the Jazz, I would look to move Ed Davis and his $5 million contract. Mostly because he just hasn't worked out very well. Um, even though he is a very good player, he just doesn't fit what the Jazz do. Um, I would be looking to move him along with that pick and either pick up a couple seconds in in this year's draft to where you can take chances on guys that are like four-year college players, kind of like um, they did with Jarrell Brantley, Mie Oney, and Justin Wright Foreman this year, um, bring a couple guys in as uh, two-way players for the next year, um, or move those two, or move Ed Davis and that pick and try and pick up um, a first for a later year. So you open up a roster spot by moving Ed Davis. So now you're at 14 spots. Um, 14 open spots or one open spot, 14, uh, roster f- spots filled. You let Emmanuel mudiego go in free agency just cause he's going to be too expensive. Now you're to 13. You have two open spots. Um, and honestly, I would be looking, if I'm in the Jazz, to basically retain the team, bring back Jarrell Brantley and Justin Wright Foreman, and go forward with that team from there. Um, as far as backup centers, I think Jarrell Brantley and Juwan Morgan could be really good small ball centers. Um, Tony Bradley has really developed a lot. Still need, still has a long way to go, but has really developed a lot into a player that is very valuable and gives them really good minutes when Rudy Gobert is off the floor. So at the center spot, you'd be pretty comfortable there. Um, John Morgan played a, quite a bit of time at the center when they played the Rockets and looked really good in that spot. Um, you know, He's a super active guy, pretty athletic, has a really good jump shot, and is just a, a, one of these guys that really just tries hard every time he's on the court. And so I like him a lot. And then Jarrell Brantley, even though he's only six six, has a seven foot one wingspan. Um, is extremely strong and can also help space the floor. So against certain lineups, the Jazz have the ability to go small ball uh, with those two guys. <clears throat> um, the power forward position, if you just stay pat, stand pat, and go with what you're doing, um, you have Bojan Bogdanovic. And George Niang going forward. And then, of course, Joanne Morgan and Jarrell Brantley can play the four. Um, At the small forward, you'd have Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neal, Boyan can play the three. Um, George Niang can play the three as well, even though you really don't want him to because he's so slow on the defensive end. Um, At the shooting guard position, you have Donovan Mitchell, John Tucker, and... uh, Jordan Clarkson. And then at the point guard, you have Mike Conley, um, Justin Wright Foreman, and Nigel Williams-Goss. But, you know, that's the most, you know, bare bones. You know, we're not going to do that much in the offseason. That's kind of your plan. What I would really be trying to do if I am running the Jazz is I would talk to Mike Conley about terminating his contract and signing a longer term contract for less per year but more guaranteed money in the long term so he's going to make 34 and a half million next year um but when he goes into free agency that next season he will be 30 either 33 or 34 years old and he's a six foot tall point guard I don't know that he's going to get that big of a contract at that point So what the Jazz could do is go, hey, terminate the 34 and a half. Um, We will bring you back on a three-year, $66 million deal, you know, $22 million per year. A few things this does, it gives Mike Conley more long-term money. It gives him a place where he knows he can play at for the next three years. He's not worried about moving his family again, anything like that. Um, And... You know, with the salary cap continuing to rise, if at some point he gets the to where he's no longer a starter quality player, but can still give you good minutes off the bench, twenty-two million is a lot easier to handle than thirty-four is at that point. Um But that, that you know, that does a few things. So I already said they'd have about seven million, I believe, open. Um if he drops that 34 and a half and takes 22, which I don't know if 22 is the number, that's just one that I kind of think is reasonable. Um, all of a sudden, that seven number goes to 19 and a half million. Well, you get him to do that, and you get Jordan Clarkson to hold off on signing back with the team. You have that 19 and a half to go after basically anybody in free agency. So you can look at guys like Serge Ibaka, Marc Gasol, Danilo Gallinari, Evan Fournier, um, Otto Porter Jr. If he decides to uh, not pick up his player option, all of a sudden the Jazz have this money available to where they can go out and get another, you know, star-ish level player. Kind of on the same level as Ingles and Bogdanovich um, and Royce O'Neal bring that into this team and then after they sign again the Jazz have bird rights on Jordan Clarkson so they can sign him to whatever number they want from there and you know let's say it's uh, let's say it's Marcus I think Marcus would be an amazing fit with the Jazz um, again he played with Mike Conley for years in, in Memphis he's an amazing defender down low on the offensive end, he doesn't need to score, but he can. He can hit the three-ball. He's a really good passer. I think he'd be a great backup center for Rudy. So all of a sudden you have um, Rudy and Marcusole at the center, and a guy like Tony Bradley, who has shown that he can be a very reliable backup center, is now your third option. And you have Joan Morgan and Gerald Brantley around as small ball options. I think you become a lot more versatile adding a guy like that. You get bigger. Um, the jazz this season are a little small and I think adding a guy at seven foot one, like Marcus soul would be, a, uh, a good fit there. Um, or maybe it's Danilo Ganari who at six ten can play the three or play the four. Um, very much a very similar player to Boyan Bogdanovich who just give you more versatility on the offensive end. Um, you know, so that is that is the option that I would really look into if I'm the Jazz. Now, maybe Mike Conley doesn't want to terminate his contract. He just wants to play the one more year and then see where he is from there. You know, so you, all of that hinges on what Mike Conley wants to do. Um, but that's kind of what I would be looking towards if I'm... Um, you know, if I'm in the front office with the jazz, you know, I, I'm really trying to convince my Conley and his agent to let him, you know, let the jazz sign him to a longer term, less per year deal. And then see if he can work some magic in the free agent market. And, you know, heck, maybe even bring Derek favors back. He's going to be a free agent as well. Um, <clears throat> before we go, um, I just wanted to give you a few names that if the Jazz decide to stay at that draft spot that they could look, a few guys that they could look at. Um, first is Jordan Nawara, or De- Nawaro, Nawara I think is, is his name, um, from Louisville. He's a six foot seven small forward, um, long and rangy, not super athletic, um, has enough athleticism to get by, pretty good defender, is improving as a three-point shooter. Another guy would be Tyler Bay from University of Colorado, 6 foot 7 power forward, basically um, if you've ever watched uh, Sean Marion play back when he was with like the the Phoenix Suns, that's kind of what Tyler Bay is, kind of a do-it-all guy. Um, great defender, good rebounder, could put the ball in the basket, but he's not a scorer really. Um Another guy would be, uh, Cassius Stanley from Duke. Insanely athletic, uh, shooting guard, small forward at six foot six. Um, has a lot of work to do. Needs a lot of work on his ball handling, his decision making, um, his defense. He's got the, the tools to be a great player, but he's going to need quite a while to develop. Um, we'll talk more again about the draft later on. Um, And if you listen to the main page, I'll go more into the draft, more in depth um, in future episodes. Um, But yeah, thank you for listening. Um, You can follow this podcast on Instagram at WasatchBasketballPod. Or you can send me an email at WasatchBasketballPod at gmail.com. Go Jazz!